You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. The Bible over in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. If uh, you could turn in your Bibles over, they're going to be on Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12 is where we're going to land here in a second. But in Hebrews chapter 11, it's known as the Hall of Faith. And as you look through Hebrews 11, there's all these stories of men and women who had well, what we would call legendary faith. Faith that, I mean, we're still telling the stories today because of the, the, the faith that they had in, in God. And so, I mean, you read through Hebrews 11. I, I wanna encourage you for homework tonight, go and actually do it and read through all of these. I mean, you got, you got the, 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 the mouths of lions being shut, Daniel and the, the lions, and you got the walls of Jericho falling. You got, you got all these incredible things that, that God is doing through men and women of faith, right? And it's one story after another story, after another story, after another story. And then you get to chapter 12. Now, remember when the scripture was given to us, it was not given to us in chapter and verse and divisions and all that. We did that so we could help, you know, tell people where to go in their Bibles and all of that, and we could find the address. That's what the, that's what the 12, one is, where you're turning there. Chapter 12, verse one, it wasn't there before. So what would happen is you would read all the way through 11, and you would move into chapter 12 with the context of chapter 11. Making sense? So in chapter 12, it tells us this. Therefore, and whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you gotta ask yourself, what is the therefore, therefore? The therefore is therefore the fact that God has moved radically in times past through men and women of faith. Story after story after story after story that God has told through those who would be willing to step out in faith. But he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let me pause and explain that for a second. There's, there's two schools of thoughts on this. One is the cloud of witnesses is just them witnessing to, to what faith can do, witnessing to the fact of how God works through men and women of faith. And that's true, but it's also a cloud of witness in the sense that right now, all of those who once walked in faith are now up in heaven with God. And there's this picture of them being able to look down now at you, walking out your faith. They're a cloud of witnesses. It's like, it's like Noah's up there going, I know your name. I, 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 and I'm, I'm here as a, as a witness to you walking out your faith. Isn't that a crazy thought? Like Noah's just going, listen, you got this. Like, I know what it's like to have God talk to you and then not for a really long time. I know what it's like to just do what he, the last thing he told me to do, even though he's not telling me to do anything else. I know what it's like to do something crazy when everyone else is making fun of you for building a boat and they've never seen a boat. Like, I know, you got this, you got this, right? A cloud of witnesses. So he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, here's what we do. Watch what it says, bring the verse back up. Let us throw off every hindrance and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race that's been marked out for us. Listen, they ran their race. That was their time. That was God working through them in, in their generation. But now God is saying, I wanna work in your generation and I wanna work through you. They had their race, you've got your race. The baton of faith has been passed forward. Now you're holding it, you're running around the track and they're all there going, go, go, go. You got this, go. And listen, friends, you run your race. He goes on to say, 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that is set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Scripture says, look at what God has done. And now look at the baton in your hand and you run in light of all that God has done. And what I wanna help you do is see what God has done so that you could run in light of what God wants to do, what God is desiring to do right now in your life, in our city, in our state, through our church, come on, at your home, in your neighborhood, in your school, come on, amen, your workplace. You run your race. You run your race. So these characters teach us, if they could, like maybe they just run a lap with us. And what would they, what would they teach us? What would they help us with? And I, the first one I want to look at is, character I want to look at is, I actually want to go back to one that we were on last week. And that's the character of Gideon. And I want to show you something different in, in today's study of Gideon that we didn't get to touch on. I want us to learn from Gideon, something I think is foundational if we are actually gonna move forward in, in our own race. And I think what Gideon teaches us is how to have faith to overcome, listen, our insecurities. Do you know that God is actually calling you forward into more? And one of the biggest hindrances to God's work in our life, personally, and through our church, and through, in, in our city, is one of the biggest hindrances is actually its insecurities. And let me pick at that a little bit, and then we'll, we'll learn from Gideon. Like, I think a lot of us actually live with this picture of ourselves with, with less than what we need to be. Like, you hear me talking about God wanting to do something great, and you're thinking, that's through somebody else right? That's through the pastor and that's through the people at church. That's through the staff. That's through, that's through men and women who are perfect or men and women who got it all together. That, it can't be me. And you automatically, you void yourself from the calling of God on your life, from the great things God wants to do in and through your life, because there's this insecurity inside of you that says, I can never obtain that. I can never live up to that. I'm just not that. No friends, you're actually that, but you're, you're not listening. Listen, you're not listening to the voice of God in your life because you're choosing to listen to the voice of insecurity in your life. You've got to deal with the insecurities in your life and in faith rise up and say yes to the voice of God in your life. Amen? So you got a chatterbox inside of you. You got the self-talk, anybody? Come on, you got some self-talk. Here's the problem. Self-talk is not usually positive. You meet a few people who have that like positive self-talk, they walk around, I'm great. I'm all that and a bag of chips, right? Or whatever that is. But I'd say 90% of the time, your self-talk is actually very negative. Your self-talk actually is like an like a inner bully, right? Like, you'll never make friends. Have you ever said something in a group of people and then go, I can't believe I just said that. They all think I'm an idiot. Everyone thinks I'm an idiot. I can't believe I just said that. Why did I just say that, right? And all of a sudden you're sitting there and you don't even want to open your mouth anymore because you're like afraid of the last thing you just said and you feel so insecure and it's just like, it flushes. I've never experienced that in my life, but I'm sure some of you have. And I'm just trying to be sensitive to those of you that have, right? 
What is that? That's your, your insecurity, this voice inside of you, this inner bully. Honey, listen, you're never gonna make it. You can't recover. Oh, you messed that up and it's beyond God's repair. You, right? And you just, on and on, this inner bully that is always trying to push us down and hold us back. I wonder what your inner bully's been saying lately. I wonder what your chatterbox been chatting about lately. You know, I think that chatterbox, that bully gets a lot louder when we're about to step into what's greatest. I think that that chatterbox gets louder when we're about to step into what's greater. And here's the problem, is that you cannot listen to both God's voice and that voice at the same time. One of them will always prevail. One of them will always be louder than the next. If you listen to what that voice is saying over what God's voice is saying, then you're constantly discouraged. You're constantly in defeat. You're constantly choosing to step back from the things God's calling you to step forward into. So listen, first and foremost, as a church, as an individual, can I just steer your faith up enough? Come on, just to, just to hear God's voice over the voice of your insecurity. I mean, we all deal with it. We all deal with it. Gideon dealt with it. So if you remember in the story of Gideon, he's wrestling with insecurity, and I'll show it to you. God's calling him forward. God's calling him into more, but he's stuck with insecurity. And this is a lot of us today. God's calling us to more, we're stuck with insecurity. God wants to work in our, in our, in our home, in our life, in our kids, in our, but we're stuck with insecurity. Come on, think about it. Like, where would God, if I get overcome my insecurities, what would it look like? Right? So remember Gideon's story. He, he, they've moved into the land, the promised land, but the, there's these Midianites that are running around. The Midianites, if you remember um, from our last time together, if not, like they're, they're coming in and they're invading the land during harvest season. They're taking all of the crops, they're killing all the animals. The Israelites are scared for their life. They're, they're hiding up in the caves. Gideon chooses to come and to thresh some wheat down in a wine press. And people always make fun of him that he's in a wine press because he's hiding in a wine press. And I'm always like, listen, at least he's doing something. He's got some initiative, right? And he's down there in the wine press doing his part. And an angel of the Lord shows up to him. And notice what Gideon is wrestling with as we look at this interaction. Judges chapter six, or Judges chapter six, verses 11 through 16. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Orpah that belonged to Joaz the Abzerite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That's what's spoken over him, right? But now watch what Gideon says. Uh, 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 pardon me, Lord? Um, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, then why is all this happening to us? Where are all of his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us over into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him. Oh, let's leave that there. We'll get to that in a second. I want you to notice what's feeding uh, Gideon's insecurities. Someone say circumstance. Circumstance. He's allowing 
circumstance to be louder, or the voice of circumstance to be louder than the voice of God. He's circumstance, and I have it for the screen, is when I let the things that surround me mark me. See, something's marking you today. And when we're insecure and we don't have the faith to overcome our insecurities, what happens is we let our circumstance mark us. He says, uh, uh, pardon me, Lord. Uh, what's that you said? Uh, uh, mighty, mighty man of valor, was it? Uh, and this is what he says. Are you looking at the same thing I'm looking at? Do you not see what's happening here? I'm in a wine press. I'm hiding out for my life. Meanwhile, the Midianites are taking everything right now. Meanwhile, they've, they've killed all the, all the animals. They've taken all the harvest. Our, our, our families are up hiding in, in the caves and you're going to come and, and what was it again? Mighty man of valor. Do you not see the situation is, is, is what he's saying. Do you see the circumstance? And you guys, we do the same thing. Instead of listening to the voice of God, what he's speaking over us and letting his voice inform us as to who we are, our insecurities start to look at circumstances and we allow those to inform who we are. And we start to believe our circumstances over God's voice. L let me pick a little bit. So we do this. We, we look for our value, our worth, our significance, our, uh, our calling, our ability, okay? Not in what God has said, but in what my finances say. So we go, God, do you want to do what? Have you seen my checkbook? God, do you want to, have you? And here's, here's what happens is we start, God, you, you say what about me? Well, what you say about me doesn't, you know, doesn't reflect what my bank account says about me. Does that make sense? Like, we find ourselves struggling financially And we start to wonder, well, am I really worth anything? Do I, am I, if God really loved me, then why can't I have what they have? And why can't I be like, right? And we're letting our financial situation mark us. We, we, we let it whisper to us that we're less than. We, we, we're, we're afraid to maybe tell people where we live because it's not, you know, it's not, not, a, not one of those places that make you look better. I live in the, one of those places I don't, I don't want to talk about, right? We let our financial situation mark us. But I need to remind you, every single one of you, listen to me. Your worth is not based upon what you have in your bank account. Your worth is not based upon where you live, your address. Your, your worth is not in God's eyes. Listen, those things don't even matter. Matter of fact, listen to me. Jesus, it tells us, had no place to lay his head. Jesus came from a poor family. Jesus was, was born in Mary and Joseph, who when they came to the altar to, to offer their, their tithe and offering, so to speak, they had to bring turtle doves. The only reason you brought turtle doves is if you were poor and you couldn't afford a sheep. They were poor. Jesus grew up poor. Jesus, when he needed money for taxes, said, somebody go fishing and find me a coin. You remember that? And he did a miracle to find a penny, right? Jesus would look at you and say, I get it, I get it, I've been there. But listen to me, your worth and your value and your significance is not based on your financial bank record or where you live or what you drive or, come on, amen, it's not based on any of that. There is more going on here than what meets the eye financially. And you need to learn that what God says over you is not determined by what's happening inside your bank account. 
You've got to have enough faith to hear what he says versus what your circumstance says. Some of you, you look at this, it's not your, you're not being, your insecurities are not fed by your financial situation, it's your relational situation. You measure your worth by how many friends you have or don't have. Now, I'm not just talking Instagram. I'm, I'm talking just like in life. You feel like, you know, you're not what God says over you because you look around and you don't have maybe as many friends as, as somebody else has, right? And you compare and contrast and, and you value yourself based upon those relationship connections. And maybe some of you feel like, well, I must not be, you know, your insecurities whispering to you, I, I must not be you know, what I should be because, you know, I'm not married yet or I haven't met the one yet. And if I would meet the one that would complete me, friends, listen to me, listen to me. Those are our insecurities that whisper to us. I get you, I, I feel that, I, I hear you, but listen, we need to hear what God says over us no matter what our relational circumstance or situation might be, amen? Do you follow me? You're doing the same thing Gideon did. God's called him further, God's called him on, but he's going, it can't be me, God, I'm not, Fill in the blank. Rich, I'm not, I'm not married. I'm not influential. I don't have lots of friends. I don't have lots of, come on, you with me? You follow that? Somebody need to hear this right now. I'm gonna get into it a little later, but I'm gonna do this in the context of relationship. We are not all created equally relationally. Like some of you are great at connecting with lots of people. Others of you, you are not. I'll be honest with you. I'm very, as much as you would think that I've been an extrovert, I'm actually very introverted. I love spending time alone. Like I love all of you, but I can't talk to all of you. Like I'm very, I'm like, there's this, I'm very, very socially. I just, I have to, I, I, I breathe when I'm just, just give me a couple people. Just give me two or three people and I can hang with two of you. And you go see me hang with two people and you're like, oh, he's the life of the party. I'm not. I'm not, like it, I can't, it drains me. Does that make sense? So some of you that are very good at connecting, it's like Legos. You know, like the Lego pieces, there's like the one that's got like the four pieces. Some of you are really good at having four friends. You're really good. You get to five friends and it's like, I'm not very good at this, right? Like I kind of, right? There's some of you that are the five. There's some of you that are like the 16. You're like, got all sorts of friends. What happens is the, the, the four is looking at the 16 going, I must not be, you know, worth a whole lot. Or I must not have value because they've got 16 friends. I only got four friends. Well, you were built as a four Lego. They were built as a 16 Lego. Some of y'all is the one Lego. Like you're the one, you know, the one, the one piece. Some of y'all the motherboard. You're like, hook me. You just like know everybody. And it's like, and so what happens is the one is looking at the motherboard going, I can't be like the mother. And you start to, listen, your insecurity, you start to back down from what God's calling you to because your insecurity is saying, you're not as great as. Look at all the friends they have. Look at all the influence they have. You just, you just got your little four over here, your two over here. Hey, listen, you, you love on your two, you love on your four, you do you. Amen? Like, don't let those things, this is what Gideon's doing. Insecurity, insecurity. He's got, he's got his, you know, maybe it's your financial, your relational situation. It's your, your vocational situation. You let that mark you. You know, what you do, you're embarrassed about what you do. You don't want to talk about it. You know, because in your mind, it, it, it's a place of insecurity within you. And it makes you less than, listen, stop it. My goodness, you guys. God wants to fill you with enough faith to move past all those insecurities, that chatterbox, that inner bully inside of you that's trying to tell you that you're less than who God says you are. Stop looking to those things. Stop looking to your circumstance to be the judge of who you are. The angel of God showed up to Gideon in the middle of a wine press and said, you are a mighty man of valor. 
Nothing in the circumstance or situation looked like mighty man of valor. It took some faith to believe what God was saying to him in the midst of the circumstances that surrounded him. You've gotta have enough faith to hear what God is saying about you in the middle of whatever circumstances surround you. Can I get a better amen? This is where Gideon's at. Church, this is where you need to go. If you are gonna move forward into what God has for you, gotta move past your insecurities and your insecurities sometimes are informed by your circumstance. You're letting the things that surround you mark you. Listen, what have you allowed to mark you? What's it been? Some of you have let your circumstance mark you, but hear me, friends, those things don't get to mark you because you are first and foremost marked by God. God has marked you. Listen, Gideon thought his circumstance marked him. He thought the Amorites marked him. He thought the situation marked him. But God said, I have marked you. You are a mighty man of valor. And God looks at you, dear church, and says, I have marked you. I have marked you. I've marked you loved. I've marked you chosen. I've marked you adopted into the family. I've marked you called. I've marked you anointed. Where are you at, church? Amen. I have marked you as my own. I have marked you as the ones who are going to carry the baton of faith in this generation. You're here right now for such a time as this. The Bible says in Acts that God has given us our our times and dominions. In other words, where you live and when you live, you do all of that for a reason. You're at Citizens Church right now for a reason. We are here because God has marked us in the quarters of time, to be here right now. Do not listen to the voice of your circumstance, your bank account, your relational, your vocation, whatever. Hear the voice of God in faith. 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9, I have it for the screen, I believe, says this, but we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into this marvelous light. That's who you are. You are marked by God. John 1.12 says this, but to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become, listen to me, you are a child of God. Amen? Amen. So Gideon's letting his circumstance inform his insecurities and inform who he is. Do you know what else we, we let inform us, our insecurities to, to grow within us? It's, it's, it's this thing called comparison. I want to talk to you about it for a second. I want to help you with this in faith so we can move forward to what God has. Comparison is when I let the measure of others measure me. Comparison, I let the, my measure of others measure me. So this is what Gideon's doing, watch. He has a measure of others and he's trying to find out where he is in the context of how he sees other people. Watch, watch it in, in Judges chapter six, verse 15. It says this, pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? Do you see that? My clan, my crew, right, is the weakest in Manasseh. My family's the weakest of all the families around here, okay? And he says, and by the way, I'm the least in my family. 
He's like, God, you have showed up to the bottom of the barrel, okay? Like, there's the barrel, there's my family's at the bottom, and I'm at the bottom of my family. Like, you have the wrong address. There is no way. Why is he saying that? Because he is allowing his insecurities to be informed by comparison. He's comparing himself to others. He's measured others, and he thinks to himself, I don't measure up. You guys, when you compare yourself to others, you're always gonna be feeling a little messed up. You're always gonna be feeling a little insecure. Can I tell you why and why you need to stop? Because there will always be, welcome to church, others who are better than you. There are people prettier than you. There are people smarter than you. Come on, somebody. Thank you, God, for that, right? Man, there are people with more money than you that live in better houses than you. There are people who got their kids put together more than you got your kids, but there are people. There is always people better than you. And if you start comparing yourself, if God shows up to you, knocks on your door and says, here's who you are, and you go, no, God, that's not me, because, you know, look, and God going, here's what I want to do. And you go, God, you can't do that, because look, you're missing it. You're missing it. You're going to find yourself constantly living in the shadows of others if you're comparing yourself to others. And so here's how it works, as our insecurity gets fed. You think you're having a good vacation until you jump on Instagram and you realize that somebody else is having a better vacation, right? You think you took your kids to a really cool spot and then you jump on Instagram and someone else took their kids to a cooler spot. You were having a whole lot of fun, now you saw that, and now you're all insecure about your vacation. You're all insecure about what you're doing with your kids. Listen, stop it. Stop comparing yourself to what everyone else is doing, who everybody else is. It's always gonna mess you up every single time. We tell ourselves that what they're doing is the measure of what we're supposed to be doing, and that's wrong. God is not calling you to live like them. God is not calling you to do like them. God is not calling you to be like them, okay? Amen? God has for each of us, remember what it said in Hebrews 12, our own race, our own lane to run in. Matter of fact, in John chapter 21, I love this. Jesus tells Peter, he says to Peter, he says, Peter, listen, um, you're going to give your life for the sake of the gospel, Peter. You're, you're going you're gonna to be a martyr for the sake of the gospel. And Peter's standing there next to John, his buddy, and he's like, uh, well, God, what about him? <laughs> right? God says, here's what I've called you to do. And he goes, well, what about him, right? And what does Jesus say to Peter? When Peter said that to him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Verse on the screen, please. He said, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answers what he said. Hey, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You just follow me. In other words, you're not here to do what I've called John to do. You're not here to do and live your life the way I've called, you know, that family to live their life and that family. You're not here. You just follow me. You've got your own lane. In other words, stop comparing, Peter. Stop comparing and contrasting. This isn't about what others are doing, friends. It's not even about, let me help you with this. It's not even about what others are thinking. I know you think what others are thinking is really important, but I'm gonna tell you something. What others are thinking is not important. It's not important. Here's what happens when you think what other people are thinking is really important. Try to follow me here. When you think what other people think is really important, here's what happens. You perceive yourself the way you perceive others perceiving you. Follow that for a second. I have a perception of how you perceive me 
and I'm gonna end up perceiving myself based on the perception that I perceive you are perceiving me with. Does that make sense? So I walk around going, man, people think I'm just a little much. People think I'm a little, I'll be honest with you. When I, when I first started preaching, I came out of a church where you did not step away from the pulpit. You stood behind it like this and you had a mic like that and they couldn't even hear you unless you're standing in front of the pulpit. I hated this. I hated, I couldn't, because I would talk, I'm preaching around and I'd come back and by the way, I said, you know, and I said, can somebody give me one of those like ear pieces? And I started walking around with that. And then I get the handheld mic. And I was just, I, I, I couldn't do this, right? It wasn't me. And for a long time, I thought that this is what I, what I had to be. Because no, you don't have to be this. You don't have to do this. You just be okay with the way I've, I've made you. And I used to think that everyone thought I was a little much because I'm just out like doing, doing that. I'm going, everyone thinks I'm a little much. Everyone thinks I'm a little much. And it was this thing in my head. But you know what? I finally came to the place and said, you know what? Maybe I am a little much for people. Maybe I'm a little much, but you know what? I'm not gonna stop that. I'm not gonna let that just inform me and just go, oh my gosh, and start to. I can't run around chasing what everybody thinks about me. And hear me, you can't either. Stop it. You don't live as unto them. You live before the audience of one, and his name is Jesus. You live before God and God alone. He is my audience, and I'm gonna do all that he has called me to do as unto him and not as unto the crowds, not as unto others, not as unto what others think about me or, or, or might not think about me. Listen, I need to get past that. You need to get past that. Listen, your insecurities are always gonna try to get you to stare at that, and I'm telling you, lift your eyes past it and hear the voice of God, what it is he says to you. God has not asked you to live under the bondage of trying to please everybody else. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? So in faith, in faith, with Gideon, he's trying to let his circumstance mark him. He, he's trying to let comparison mark him. Stop comparing, stop comparing. So what do we do then? Like, how do we overcome in faith? How do we overcome our insecurities that keep trying to hold us back? How do we overcome our insecurities that keep trying to keep us from moving forward? I love, so one of my, one of my favorite revelations God's given me in scripture, in Judges 6.14, in Judges 6.14, God says to him this, the Lord turned to him in the middle of all of his complaining and all of his pointing and all of his comparing in the middle of all of that, and God says to him this, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? God says, Gideon's going, but that's not me and I'm not that and I don't do and I'm not, and on and on and on and look at me. And God says, great, perfect. I can work with that. Take what you got and work it. Have I not sent you? In other words, I don't got the wrong address, Gideon. I didn't show up to the wrong place, Gideon. I, you don't think I knew everything that, about you before I showed up here, Gideon? You don't, do you think that you telling me about the comparison and telling me about your circumstance, that I'm like, oh shoot, yeah, you're right. Oh my gosh, what was I thinking? That I had come to the wrong place? I, oh, check the address. Sorry, sorry, Gideon, I need to go. No, God says, no, 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 no. Here's what I need you to do, is you just do you. I need you to go in the strength that you have. 
In other words, go in what you got, not what you don't have. Don't tell me about what you don't have. What do you have? Who are you? What have we got to work with here? It's not a lot, God, perfect. Take the not a lot and go work it with all you got, amen? You take what you got. In other words, listen to me, you be you. I need you to go with what you got, the Lord says. Stop measuring and focusing on what you're not and go with what you got. Ephesians chapter two tells us, it says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Look it up later, okay? Here's what that verse is saying to you and I. He is saying, God looked down at the corridors of time, pay attention, and there's some work that he wanted to do, some things that God wanted to do. He looked down at your generation, your family, your time, your school, your city, your state, and God said, there's a work I want to do. Hmm, how am I going to do that work at that time in that generation? The way God did it is he created you to do your part in the work that he wants to do at this time, in this generation, at that school, at that home. And he created you in a specific way in order to live out that specific work. You're my work workmanship created for the work that I'm going to do through your life. Does that make sense? You were created on purpose and for a purpose. He made you who you are. So stop trying to be who you're not. Stop trying to compare yourself. Stop trying to, trying to act like somebody other than yourself. You just do you. Why? Because God made you you. The body of Christ needs you to be you. If you run around trying to pretend that you're somebody other than who you are, you're actually robbing the body of Christ of the gift that you're meant to be. Does that make sense? The gift of who you are. When we don't understand this, we're trying way too hard to be like everybody else. We never stop to see the uniqueness of who we are. God made you you because the body of Christ needs you to be you. My strengths are not your strengths, and your strengths are not my strengths. My weaknesses are not your weaknesses, and your weaknesses are not my weaknesses. My strengths are not better than your strengths, and your strengths are not better than my strengths. And you've got to understand this. Listen, you do you. Embrace who God made you. We need you to, because that's called the body of Christ. Do you know in Scripture, the Bible actually teaches us that he has given us different strengths on purpose, just as he willed. And can I tell you something? There's no one in here that has all the strengths. Do you hear me? There is no one in here that walks around with all of it. Because we're a body, God says, I'm gonna give you that strength, and I'm gonna give you that strength, and I'm gonna give you that strength. And if you just sit back and go, you know, well, I'm not playing my part, guess what? We are not as strong as we could be if you are not playing your part. Does that make sense, everybody? And this, the other thing we can't do is you can't, let me be honest with you. Like I haven't been up to this point or something. <laughs> let me be honest with you. I don't have all the strengths. He's a pastor and he doesn't have it all. I don't have it all figured out. I don't. I, I have certain strengths. You know what my strengths are? I know who I am. I know that I'm a visionary. I know I could cast vision. I know I can preach God's word. I, I know that those are my strengths. I, when I'm reading God's word, stuff jumps off the page to me. I see it. I, I feel like I do an okay job communicating it from time to time, okay? And I feel like those are my strengths. 
do you know what I don't have good strengths in? And it's, this is Tatum and I. We are not great counselors. I'm just gonna tell you straight up. Like somebody, I just need Pastor Chris to counsel me. No, you don't. You don't want me to counsel you. You do not want me to, you will probably leave the church if I counsel you. Probably, I'm telling you, let me just tell you why. Because I'm a visionary, I see things. And when I meet with you, it's like black, white, here it is, do it, don't do it, boom. And you're like, you gotta be, you're gonna have to really thick skin if you're gonna come meet with myself or, or Tatum. I'm just telling you up front. Now, some of you look and go, I can't, you need to soften up your skin. I'm just gonna tell you, no, we got a lot of very touchy-feely, gushy people in the church that can counsel you. And they're gonna be like, listen to you for an hour and you're gonna tell them everything and they're gonna get in it with you and just walk with you. This, this is what I'm gonna do. What? You did, that was stupid. <laughs> and you're probably not gonna like it. I'm just telling you, I will help you, but it's gonna, right? That's why I'm always going, could they please just see somebody else? I do love you and I will, God is working on me, but I'm just, I'm trying to make a point. Do you see the point? I don't have it all together. It's not a, a good thing, thank you, Jesus, that the church is not about me. Someone say amen. amen. Thank you, God, that feels so good. It is not about me. It's about you and you and you and you and you. And, you, and there are people in this room that are far better counselors than I'll ever be. They are far, and I, if you come to me, I'm gonna go, can you go talk with them? Because they are gonna do their part. Does it make sense? You know why we do small groups? Because the church is not about a pastor or, or just a couple people on staff. My goodness, you know what that is? That is a church that's never gonna go past 200 people. God wants to reach the masses. And the way he reaches the masses is he creates a body with people who have different strengths and everyone does their part. We live it out with all we got and we give to each other, listen to this thing called grace for one another. I'm gonna give you grace and you give me grace and we just, we have and we just all do our part. And listen, your strength is not less than my strength. Your strength is just as needed as my strength. I'll cast vision, I'll preach, man, I'll point you to Jesus, I'll keep, I'll do my best to get, I'll tell you the truth, I'll do all, but I need some people who could come and soften it up, and I need some people who could come and get and do life with you on a, on a level where you're at their house all the time for dinners and lunches, like, like, let's do all that. Can you imagine if my job was to have everybody over all, like, we can't do that. Do you understand? And we actually inhibit the body of Christ from growing if we don't just lean into our, our different strengths. So God says to Gideon, I'm not calling everybody to go into this, to go and lead the way. I'm calling you to lead the way. So Gideon, you do you. I need you to find you, embrace you, and listen, you do you. The body of Christ needs you. Come on, look at me, I'm very serious. For such a time as this, get over your insecurities telling you, you can't preach and you don't have vision and you don't, who cares? You got something. You got you inside of you. How did God make you? Please, for the sake of our city and for the sake of what God wants to do in California, the church needs to wake up, stir up their faith, and just go be who God's called them to be. Hey, God's made you a school teacher. School teaches unto Jesus with all you got. God's made you a lawyer. Lawyer unto Jesus with all you got. Come on, where has God called you? Where has he put you? What is your strength? Use it for his glory in Jesus' name. Stir up your faith. Get past your insecurities. You do you. Amen? None of that was in my notes, but amen. 
You do you, you do you. Some of you still, but I'm not, but I'm not, but I'm not, and I don't, I don't. Okay, let me give you the last one. You do you, and then we'll close with this, and don't make it about you. Stop it. You do you, and then don't make it about you. Judges 6.16, he says to him, I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. You're going to strike them down. Why? Because I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be. Here's what your insecurities do. Here's what my insecurities do. Our insecurities end up putting way too much attention on ourselves and taking the attention off of where they need to be, God. Our insecurities tell us that since we're not, and if we can't, then God won't, right? But the reality is, this isn't about how big I am. This isn't about how good I am. This isn't about how able I am. It's never been, friends, listen, and it never will be. God is not looking to the church for us to go, God, look for us to show God how big we are, how great we are. No, 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 friends, it's, it's quite the opposite. God is wanting to show you how big he is, how great he is, how able he is. Gideon, this is not about how great you are. It's about how great I am. It's not about how perfect you are and how, but Gideon, it's about who I am. I don't need you to be all those things, Gideon. Here's what I do need you to be, willing. I just need you to be available. Would you go? But God, but God, but... Gideon, would you go? Would you stop making the focus your insecurity? Stop making the focus you, and would you start allowing the focus to be me. This is about me, Gideon. It's my glory, it's my strength, it's my power, it's my ability. I'm the one that's gonna pull this off in, the, in this land. I'm the one that's gonna pull this off in California. I'm the one that's gonna pull this off in your home. I'm the one that's gonna pull this off in the life of your children. I'm the one that's gonna pull this off in your marriage. I'm the one that's gonna pull this off. Listen, it's not about you. I'm gonna do this, God says. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. You just need to have the faith to hear his voice over your insecurity. And when you hear his voice, you go, all right, God, let's go. Let's go. Because it's never been about me. Can I tell you, friends? Listen, you're trying to find the best version of you. You know that the best version of you is the surrendered version of you that realizes with Gideon, I've got some brokenness and I've got some issues and I'm not this and I'm not that, but God, if you'll have me, God, if you'll use me, then I'll go. I'll say yes. Thank you, God, you're not asking me to be perfect. Thank you, God, you're not asking me to be so-and-so. And so you just ask me to be me. And if you'll take me like I am, all right, I'll step out of my wine press. I'll take up a sword. I'll say yes. It's never been about Gideon. It's never been about David. The story of David and Goliath is not about David. The story of Moses leading children is not about Moses. It's just not. Matter of fact, you'll learn when we learned. Moses wasn't all that. Gideon, what? obviously not all that. David, definitely not all that. 
God never asked them to be all that. He just asked them to let God be all that. Come on, your insecurities won't let you go there. And you need to break free from what it is that chatterbox has been telling you and step into what God has been saying the whole time. And here's how you know the difference. And we will close. God's voice versus your insecurity. Your insecurity will always condemn you and highlight your inability. Always, always, always. Insecurity is gonna tell you, you've messed up too much. You shouldn't be lifting your hands in worship this morning. You drove really bad on the way to church and you talk to your family like that and blah, 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 blah. What's that? It's your insecurity. It's, it's condemnation. It feels like that. It's just, it's deflating and it, and it wears you down and it, and it leaves you in a, in, a, in a room by yourself. Just, I can't, right? That's your insecurity. The voice of God, insecurity makes it about you. The voice of God is always gonna make it all about him. The voice of God, listen, is going to encourage you and highlight his ability versus your inability. It's gonna highlight his strength versus your strength. That's the voice of God. What have you been listening to? What have you been listening to? Come on. Faith, faith. I walk by faith. Say it with me, I walk by faith. Say it with me. I walk by faith, not by sight. Circumstance, comparison, situate, sight, myself, I see myself. Stop walking by sight. God has spoken over you. God has called you. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You, you, you are here for such a time as this. And we have got to let the, let, we have got to stop the enemy from winning in this area of our life. You step up in faith. You be you and stop making it about you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Gotta, gotta keep on